Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard here on this Friday night. We'll get back to explicit history. The Eagles and the Giants. What a rivalry it's been over the years. for great moments. We give you a call. We put the name out. You tell us who is the name that's not there. We've had some fun ones so far. Some I, I, I think people would get. They, we hear them again. There's, there's one like deep cut we haven't got to yet that I don't know if anyone will get if we play it. It is it is the deepest of cuts. We'll get to that. We got NFL picks coming up and uh, guest takes, all that kind of stuff. But right now, we have to go out to the guest line and talk to a guy that I've known for a long time. And right now, he is with The Ringer doing a podcast called New York, New York. And I figured tonight's a good night. We got the Eagles-Giants on Sunday. We have an arms race in the NL East with the Mets losing DeGrom, but picking up Verlander, bringing back Nimmo. And, of course, with the Phillies here spending like crazy with Trey Turner and Tywon Walker. So let's talk a little about this game on Sunday and the NL East in 2023 with my guy John Jastrzemski from the Ringer. John, how are you doing tonight, man? Joe, it's a pleasure to be on, man. Uh, I love you guys down in Philadelphia. I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to the Phillies and the Mets duking out the NL East. Life is good right now, bro. All is well. Well, that's great to hear. And, yeah, we got a lot going on right now. And, John, for the first time in a long time, you've actually had relevant football to talk about in New York with two teams, uh, you know, with, with a pretty decent chance of making the playoffs. Let, let's talk about this Giants team, John. The Eagles – Saw them last year, and actually it was Jalen Hurts' worst game. The Giants beat him that day in New York, and then the, you know they played later in the season. Eagles won, but boy, these are different teams now. The Eagles are excellent, and the Giants. Well, you tell me, what are they? Uh, it's been three straight games without a win, but obviously better than we've seen in a long time. How good are the Giants? So, Joe, I think the Giants are the worst seven four and one team I've ever seen in my life. Like from a talent standpoint, this is not a knock on Daniel Jones. This is most certainly not a knock. On Brian Dable, if anything, it's a compliment towards what he has been able to do. The talent discrepancy that you're going to see on the field Sunday between what the Eagles have across the board and what the Giants have across the board, it is, it's eye-opening. So the fact that this team is playing games that matter in the month of December, Joe, there's not a soul in New York City who thought that was going to be the case. And I guess if you were an optimist with the Giants, you would have just bought into the idea that the division, like it has been in the past, was not particularly good, but that hasn't been the case. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. The Cowboys are having a terrific season. But yet here are the Giants with a chance to win a couple of games to get themselves into the postseason. And that is something I did not think I'd be talking about on my platforms, on my podcast, on television, going back to September. So, John, how, how are they doing this? I mean, And I, I tend to agree with you. Talent-wise, it doesn't make some sense, or any sense, but here they are with a chance to make the playoffs, and, and they've been pre- pretty competitive in a lot of these games. Even some of the ones they lost, they've been competitive last week with a tie. Is this Dable? Is it Jones taking care of the football? How have they gotten to this record? So it's all of the above. I think it's coaching number one. I mean, they had incompetent head coaches. Let's be real, Joe. Whether it's Pat Shermer, or Ben McAdoo, or Joe Judge over the last two years, those are lousy head coaches. This team believes in Brian Dable. And what he's been able to do is they got an attitude about him. They play smart, complimentary football. It's not easy on the eyes necessarily, but Daniel Jones makes plays with his legs. Daquan Barkley has had a revival season. They win the turnover battle. They've done a better job of getting after the quarterback, and they, they find ways to win in the fourth quarter. They're a very tough, resilient group. That, to me, is why they're in the position that they're in. 
they also were very fortunate early in the year. They won some games. Maybe they shouldn't have won. The Titans game is an example. The Ravens game is an example. But when you're lacking from a talent standpoint, hey, that's what you need to do to kind of put yourself in a position where you're playing games that matter and you have a chance to go to the postseason. We're talking to John Jastrzemski here, host of uh, New York, New York podcast for The Ringer. John, give me your perspective on the Eagles. Look, I was high on them. I thought they could be a really good team this year. But, I mean, even I didn't think this. I mean, they're 11-1, and and they've just they've been outstanding, almost in every facet of the game. Your perspective on this Eagles team as you get ready to watch them on Sunday. I think they're a Super Bowl contender. Now, going back to the start of the year, Joe, I like them to win the division. I was skeptical on the quarterback. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. I, I know Jalen Hurts can make plays with his legs, but you mentioned that giant game. He was embarrassing in that giant game last year to the point where I remember the Giants, or excuse me, the Jets played the Eagles the following week, and Gardner Minshew started a quarterback. And I remember saying to myself, are the Eagles better off with the stash being their quarterback for the remainder of the year? They stuck with Jalen Hurts. They end up making the postseason. They end up losing to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But this year, Jalen Hurts, he's got probably the best offensive line in football. They do a fabulous job of running the ball. And A.J. Brown's a stud. I mean, don't tell me the wide receiver position doesn't matter. Look at the impact that A.J. Brown has had on Jalen Hurts. And look at the impact that Tyreek Hill has had on my dude, Tua. And tell me that position doesn't matter. It's just total nonsense. But, yeah, Joe, I think the Eagles got it all humming. And I think the NFC is there for the taking. I'm never a believer in a Mike McCarthy coach team. The Niners losing Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they take a hit. So I think right now, first week of December, a lot can happen, but I think the Eagles are the team I expect to see in Arizona come Super Bowl time. It's funny because I was probably as skeptical on Tua, your guy with the Dolphins, as you were on Hurts, and and both of them have just light years different than last year. Obviously, the coaching has helped Tua, what they did with getting Tyree Kill. These guys have confidence now, John. It's interesting, you know, the, we go back, and every year there's, there's draft classes with quarterbacks. Right? This is supposed to be a big one, right, with draft class and the quarterback, and it's Bryce Young, and it's, it's Anthony Richardson, it's Stroud, it's all these guys. John, I don't remember people talking about the full 2020 class, you know, really high, right? We, we knew about Tua because he was at Alabama. But Jalen Hurts was a guy that bounced around. He had to go to Oklahoma. Justin Herbert was good, but you know people didn't talk that highly about him coming out of college. And Joe Burrow, nothing happened with him to that final year. John, that 2020 draft class, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Hurts, that might go down as the best one since that Eli Ben Rivers class. Isn't that crazy to think about? Now, you go back to 2020. I, I, I saw I needed to see from Burrow the year at LSU. It was just in. It factor about him, Joe. He was oozing confidence. I'm like, this guy's going to be a stud. The guy got to take the L on. Now, he's got to show that he can win at the highest of levels, but he's got all the tools. He's got all the skills. That's Justin Herbert. I didn't know if he had the it factor and the leadership intangibles that I was looking for in a quarterback. And with Jalen Hurts, listen, Nick Saban basically cast him aside at Alabama. He said, nah, I'm done with this guy. I'm going to Tua. He ends up going to Oklahoma. He's a mid-round draft pick. You wondered when the Eagles drafted him, is it a gimmick? Is he a legitimate quarterback? Can he play that position at a high level? And listen, he shut me up. He's proven me wrong. And I I said it earlier this morning. Um, I know I'm not going to be a popular guy in Philadelphia for saying this. I'd put him number two on my MVP ballot right now. I have Mahomes number one. 
But I think it's, it, it kind of shows something that I'm putting Jalen Hurts second on that list, for goodness sake. Well, I'm going to see if I'm going to make you unpopular again. Let, let me ask you this. I, I've been wondering this, and I saw there was a column ESPN had yesterday. They kind of re-ranked the quarterbacks from from 2020, right? Like if, if, they were, if you were drafting today – how would you order them, John? I, I'll give you mine, and then I want to hear your four. And, and you're and John, you're a Dolphin fan, so I'll get it if you put two there's high. A, there's going to be a little bias here, uh, so right. the, Exactly, and that's know. okay. So, so the one that I had, I had no trouble with. I would put Burrow one. He's, he, I agree I with agree. you. I it, don't even. And, and Joe, let me say this: I don't even think it's close. And this is not trying to spit on Herbert. Burrow is that dude. He's got everything you want. Oozing leadership, confidence, went through a Super Bowl. Not even close. He's number one. Yeah, I love him, and and I think that he might go to another Super Bowl. The way they're playing right now. So her, so he's one without a question. Joe Burrow, John. I think you can make a case that Hertz has jumped over the other guys for two, especially like you said. It would Her- Herbert's got all the physical tools, way more physical tools throw, as a thrower than Jalen Hurts or Tua. But like I just I keep wait like eventually you got to win some games. Like this could be three years without making the playoffs. We'll see how he does against your guy two on Sunday, but. I I would put Hurts at two um, over Herbert, and then I think Herbert and Tua right now, two is – I mean, like, I, Herbert was the one that – last year you would ask me at this time, I would have said maybe he's number one. Now I think you can make the case he's three or four. How would you make your list? Yeah, that's so fascinating. You know, it's so tough to gauge with Hurts because he has so much around him. And listen, you can't penalize the guy for that, just like you can't penalize Tua right now having Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, but you notice the difference when he doesn't have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. He's not putting up the same numbers. Uh, if I were to re-rank them, i got to go Herbert, too, just because of the physical tools. They're just so oozing, man. The arm, the body type, how he's going to hold up over time. I probably would go, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I love my dude, too, and I'm thrilled with him as a quarterback, but I want to be fair to Jalen Hurts in the year he's having. I would go Burrow. I would go Herbert, I would go Hurts, I would go Tua. But I love them. Honestly, if any of those four dudes are your quarterback, you feel good about your team. Well, yeah. You really I mean, don't. There's no bad. There's no, if, you're four, if you have four, you feel good. Like the Dolphins feel good right now because they're going to be in the playoffs with Tua. All right, John, let's talk some baseball here. Uh, man, the NL East. I mean, we, I looked up the odds this morning. We're t- uh, Fandle, we're t- three of the top six in baseball right now to win the World Series next year. Mets, Phillies, Braves. I think they have them all at 10-1, to 1, and it'll move during the offseason. But – John, how exciting, number one, is this division going to be? And two, give me your thoughts on, on the Phillies, the Mets, what's happened so far here. So I can't wait for these games. I love, not like Joe, I love the Philadelphia Phillies going and getting Trey Turner because it's exactly what they needed. They needed a leadoff hitter. They needed an athletic you know, five-tool type of dude that can run the bases, that can play high-level defense. It's something the team was lacking. Now, I love Schwaber. Upper is a dude. He's a legend. He embraced the moment of October. Um, and, and I was a big doubter of the Phillies all year. I mean, how could you – in all seriousness, I was too, John, I was be? too. I, I sat no, here all year. I, I said they're not be. that good, they, yeah. They, they stunk. I, listen, I don't, I'm a Yankee fan. I watched every one of those games against the Mets. They would reinvent ways to lose to the Mets. So, like, when they got in the playoffs, I remember I saw the betting line. I'm like, wow, the Phillies are plus 100 against the Cardinals. This, this seems too good to be true. What's going on with the Cardinals? I bet the Phillies in every game, they, they were good to me. They were built for a best of three. Oh, there's no way they're going to beat the Braves. There's no way. They go and beat the Braves. And then at that point, I said, screw it. They're, they're, they're a wagon. They're going to win the NL. And I thought they had a legitimate shot, but they ran into a buzzsaw on the Houston Astros. 
look, they have a tremendous team. The Mets, they won, all, what, 100 games last year? They swap out DeGrom, who's an all-time great pitcher, for another all-time great pitcher and a first-ballot Hall of Famer in Verlander. I like Verlander over DeGrom on the contract. I have serious concerns, though, about Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander at their age holding up for the duration. I really do. And the Mets, to me, are not as good offensively as those other two teams. But they will add to the team. If I had to rank them right now, Joe, I'd probably go Braves, Phillies, Mets, but it could go any which way. And if the Mets go and get Senga and maybe go get themselves another player, I might be thinking differently. John, what do you think of Taiwan Walker? That was kind of the end of the radar move to Phillies Bay because everyone's talking about you know Trey Turner, three hundred million. They gave Walker four years, seventy two. I like him. Uh, the years felt heavy to me, but he's he's a pretty good pitcher. What did you think watching Walker last couple years? So here's the M.O. on Walker. He's fabulous in the first half. He was in twenty twenty one. He was an All Star, and he was really good in the first half of the Mets last year. Now the drop off Joe was not as bad in 2022 as it was in 2021. I mean, he fell off a cliff in 2021 uh, to the point where he was just unpitchable. It wasn't to the case last year with Walker. Um, I think as a fourth starter, he's fine. I thought he got overpaid, but everybody's getting overpaid. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, my, my fear with him, though, how is he going to hold up pitching in that ballpark? Because you know this. It's a different animal pitching at Citizens Bank 81 times or you know 15 to 16 times a year than what you get at City Field, which is far more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. I think he's fine. He'll eat innings. He'll be a good back-end guy. I would not expect Taiwan Walker to profile as a one or two. All right, let's end with this, John. Um, you mentioned that these contracts are, are, are kind of crazy, and and that happens at free agency, right? The guys get a lot of money. But what's different about this year so far, and your team and, and the Yankees and Aaron Judge, nine years for a guy that's going to be in his late 30s at the end. The Phillies gave Trey Turner 11 for a middle infielder, for a guy we both know won't play shortstop for 11 years. It's just not going to happen. Bogarts, another one. Like, What do you what do you think's going on right now? Because – I thought we were done with these kind of contracts. You know, after the pool host won, it felt like teams got wise. A-Rod at the end, it was like, yeah, no one's giving away 10-year, 11-year contracts anymore. And then, boom, everyone's doing it, including in Philadelphia and New York. What, what do you think about all this? So, I think it's the Steve Cohen effect. I really do. Call me crazy on this, Joe. I think Cohen comes in, he's spending money like a drunken sailor, and it's kind of like a salvo. And it's a message to the rest of the owners in Major League Baseball. You better keep up or my team is going to lap you. I think the Phillies are the perfect example of that. I mean, look at the Phillies. They go and get Kyle Schwarber. They go and get JT Riamuto. They go and now make the big move for Trey Turner. And I, I almost think, Joe, you're right. You look at these deals over seven, eight, nine years, historically, they don't work out. I mean, Max Scherzer's contract was unbelievable. No one would complain about that. Uh, Derek Jeter's contract with the Yankees, unbelievable. Nobody would complain about that long-term deal, A-Rod, et cetera. But a majority of them are duds. But if you're going to play with the big boys, unfortunately for these teams, and I shouldn't even say unfortunately because they all can afford it. Their owners are worth more money than God. So, you know, they, they got to buck up and they got to pay the tax. That's what it boils down to. You want to be a big player in free agency, these players are not willing to take four- and five-year contracts. 
Brandon Nimmo got $160-plus million. I like Brandon Nimmo. $160 million, Joe? Crazy. It's nuts. No, I like Nimmo, too. But <laughs> I saw it last night. I was like, eight years? He's got to play center field for more than three or four or five of those. It's, it's unbelievable. John, I appreciate you hopping on. Continued success with the podcast, New York, New York. And uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Yeah, Joe. Love it, bro. I think the Eagles win a tight one. Giants cover. Eagles find a way. Good stuff, John. Thank you, buddy. Have a great week. And there goes John Jastrzemski uh, from New York, New York, uh, saying Eagles win, Giants cover the game. We'll see. Uh, it is an, it, it, I think the number ju- jumped up to 7.5 today. Feels like a big number for a, um, you know, a road team to go cover. But I think a lot of that is because people don't think the Giants are very good. Yeah, and the Giants have really good numbers against the spread this year as an yeah. underdog, partly because people doubted them so much to start the season. But they've taken a step back. And if even if Saquon Blazin isn't that healthy, I just don't know how they can score points. I mean, their their big thing early on was they didn't turn the ball over and they they made opposing teams make just enough mistakes to keep it close. If Jalen Hurts, it feels a lot like the Titans game. If the Eagles yeah. play the way the Eagles can play and are capable of playing. The Giants just don't have the firepower to compete. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, and it's he was mentioning the game last year, like how his opinion has changed on Hurts from last year when he watched the the Giants and Eagles. It's amazing. I, I was some highlights were posted today of that game or lowlights for the Eagles by right? the Jalen Rager drop hurts three interceptions. It's crazy how much better he is today than he was then. And and actually, Jalen Hurts was playing a little bit better football leading into that game. It was the game before the Saints game? I think it was last year. And then they beat Denver in Denver. He played well against the uh, the the Chargers here, but you know he's st- I mean he still was in the process of developing, and then he got hurt in that game. But man, he was. He was poor. I mean, I, I he. I mean, even as someone who thought he did a good job overall last year as a first-year starter, and I thought displayed some good traits, he was poor in that game. There hasn't been one game this year where you said he's been poor. I mean, not even close to that. He was like that game. They still could have won it, but he really cost them. I mean, that some of the throws he made were bad. I mean, that he was late on that throw where the safety picked him off. He threw the one by the end zone where it did feel like the, the Giants got very physical with the Eagles receivers. That's the one thing. I thought last year when you watched that matchup, Eagles-Giants, they bullied the Eagles receivers. Devon, I mean, Devontae we know is not a big big player. Like, if you have big physical corners, you could push Devontae Smith, and I think that gives him some trouble. You know you can't push around? A.J. Brown. Feels like, they, like the Giants won't be able to do that this year because A.J. Brown, like, that play last week when he ran through, was it Fulton? I don't know if I've ever seen a receiver do that. Like you see, you know, you see illegal contact. Both guys fall down. He just shoved him over. And he just bowled him over the way a fullback would, <laughs> right? Like they they had Derrick Henry. That's how Derrick Henry treats opposing defensive backs. He kind of just got in the way. And I think Ike brought it up on on Monday on the afternoon show that when you run a double move, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. Right. Just get in his way. Make sure he doesn't get downfield. If you get illegal contact. You get illegal contact, you lose five yards, no big deal. But usually both guys fall down. Christian Fulton did that, and A.J. Brown just brushed him aside. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I just you think back a year ago to the Eagles then, to the Eagles now, I don't think the Giants would have pushed them around the way they did. I know Jalen Hurts will play the position better than he did last year. This feels like a Jalen Hurts, we use the word revenge. It feels like he can avenge what he did last year, how poorly he played last year up in the Meadowlands. I think he will. And the other thing that, like the storyline thing, James Bradbury. I mean, the Giants just let him go to the Eagles. I mean, what? Like, he's had an incredible. I think James Bradbury is going to be the most difficult offseason decision for Howie Roseman. 
Like paying Jalen Hurts, is that a decision? Not really. It's just a matter of like how they structure the contract. Do they wait till Burrow gets paid and Herbert, or do they just do it right away like they did when it was Wentz's turn? The one I I just don't know how they value or evaluate Bradbury because he's not young. They have other players to pay, but he's going to be hard to replace. And that's the one position that I wonder if they're looking ahead to the draft and that possible top five pick and yep. think that's where they replace him. Because it's interesting, like, you look at their safeties, like, they haven't paid safeties in Howie's Roseman's tenure outside of Malcolm Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Like, would you write – it just – history says that he would pay the cornerback over the safety. Like, he wouldn't give a linebacker or a safety a big money deal before a cornerback, but I wonder if he does this time. I wonder if he gives TJ Edwards or Marcus Epps or, or TJ Gardner-Johnson a big contract and they let Bradbury walk in favor of a first-round rookie. So I just pulled up, and you know, it, it reminded me of one of my fa- our favorite segments here on the evening show, uh, Mock Draft Mania. Mock Draft Mania. I just pulled one up. I just wanted to see because I mean they're up already. So I just m- the the reason I clicked on this one, I just wanted to see what's the highest corner that goes in the draft, right? Where could the Eagles trade down to, and still get the top rated corner, whoever that is, uh, in this particular season? This this year it's the Ringo kid, right, out of Georgia. Um, in this draft that I pulled up, he goes twelve. So, five they're five to twelve. What do you think they get back? Uh, when the the Trey Lance trade, weren't the Dolphins at 12, 12 to three? That was I think it was twelve to three. Niners go from twelve to three for Trey Lance. I'm trying to think about what they could get back to drop to like twelve, five to twelve. Yeah, I mean the big thing is that really helps that value is if you can find a team that's desperate for a quarterback. Of course, right? If C.J. Stroud or, or Bryce Young or one of those young quarterbacks, Will Levis is, is the other guy. If one of them sitting at five and you have a team that's at you know, 11, 12, 13, that's desperate for a quarterback, you can pretty much name your price. Yeah, I mean, imagine if they turned the Saints pick into three number one picks and they used the 12th pick to get a, the best corner on the board. I mean, that, that's how you sustain winning for a long time. Though, I will point out, in this particular mock draft, I feel like they might keep the pick. So in this one, it went Bryce Young. Jalen Carter, so young to the Texans, Jalen Carter to the Bears, Will Levis to the Seahawks, which would be interesting after Geno's year he's had, C.J. Stroud to the Lions via the Rams, which means Will Anderson sitting on the board for the Eagles at five. Yeah, I'll just unplug my phone if that were the case. Just take, just, just go up there and take the pick? Yeah, I wouldn't even need all ten minutes. Yeah, man. If, the, if Howie turns the 18th pick in 2021 into two extra picks and Will Anderson— See, this is what I mean. This is, this is Hall of Fame executive work by Howie Roseman. We'll, we'll see what happens and uh, what happens with the draft. But I do think Bradbury um, is going to have going to present them with their most difficult offseason decision here. All right, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Lot to talk about on the other side. Hot stove check in. Couple things on Trey Turner when we get back, including we'll, maybe we'll play you back in with it. The, the clip of Bryce Harper last year during I guess I guess what he was doing he was hurt. And he was doing the broadcast of the Phillies, talking about Trey. Remember, Turner. it was a rain. It was a rain out. He only got like four innings. Oh, in. that's right. Well, he made him count though, because he he made his point clear on who his favorite player in baseball was. You'll hear that. I thought Trey Turner interesting. Something he said today on MLB Network about the people that helped bring him here. And you know, it's, everyone talks about Bryce Harper, but there's kind of an underrated name in Phillies history who helped bring Trey Turner here. That we'll get to NFL picks. Guess the takes for Week 14, and of course, we have to put together our same game parlay over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Our prayer props for the Eagles and the Giants on Sunday. That is next on Sports Radio 94.
WIP. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new player or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is in, in partnership with Valley Forge Casino is you combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday's game. Look, we have to go number one with Philadelphia to cover the first half. Nine and three. Eagles minus four first half. They're nine and three in the first half this year. That's number one. Number two, we'll go with over rushing yards for Miles Sanders, and we'll go with an anytime touchdown for our guy, Boston Scott. Sam Gray Paro, just one of the many reasons I bet with FanDuel. Look, it's easy to use, easy to register, easy to deposit, easy to find your bet. And there's fast withdrawals. When you win, FanDuel pays your winnings fast. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94 WIP. I really like the FanDuel app. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel. New to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today. Promo code Gilio for your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code G-I-G-L-I-O. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL.